Sandy, host of the Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Byrne. Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And in today's episode, I want to talk to you about near-death experiences, or NDEs, as you may have heard them referred to in the past. Okay, so what is an NDE? Okay, so the official definition is an unusual experience taking place on the brink of death and recounted by a person on recovery, typically in an out-of-body experience or a vision of a tunnel of light. Okay, so effectively, okay, in our language, an NDE takes place when someone dies for a period of time, but does not stay in the spirit world. They come back to the physical world but they remember the experience they have had in the spirit world and they're able to recount it for us on their return. Okay, I'm sure you've all read, um, you know, stories of people who have experienced this or maybe you've watched videos on YouTube or whatever, okay? Because, you know, there's hundreds or probably even thousands of stories out there from people who have experienced this. And testimonials range from people who have been passed from just seconds to hours and even in some cases, days, okay? Now, you know, in today's world, we have technology to keep people alive and breathing on respirators, okay? When they're in comas or whatever. So cases of, you know, the so-called Lazarus syndrome, okay? For you Christians, you know that Lazarus was somebody that Jesus of Nazareth brought back from the dead. Um, the stories in the Bible. So they call this the Lazarus syndrome because it's people that have been brought back from the dead, okay? And as I say, because of technology, we hear of this more and more, okay? But instances or stories or testimonials, if you like, of NDEs actually date back to ancient times, okay? And one story I read about some years ago, and it always stuck with me because, you know, I've always kind of had an interest in the spiritual and the afterlife and everything. And um, one such story was talked about actually by Socrates in one of his speeches. Okay. Now, Socrates died in the year 399 BC. So, you know, 2,420 odd years ago. Okay. But his speech was documented by Plato in Plato's Republic. Okay. And in this testimony, Socrates told the story of a warrior called Ur. Now, it's 
it's spelt er so i'm going to call him er but it could be pronounced a different way so excuse my ignorance okay but he was a warrior that died on the battlefield okay and he his body was left there with all of the other fallen soldiers for a period of about 10 days okay at which time the bodies of the dead were starting to decay so a funeral pyre was built to burn the bodies so um, for those of you who don't know a funeral pyre it's like a structure that they place the bodies on and then they light a fire underneath to cremate them if any of you saw the film of troy with um with what's his name brad pitt in it years ago um you would remember that his cousin um patroclus was um burnt on such a pyre uh, after his death so this young soldier he was left on the battlefield um dead for 10 days and um there was lots of bodies obviously after battle and the stench of the dead bodies after 10 days they built a funeral pyre and they were burning the bodies okay but when they were moving the bodies onto the pyre they noticed that this young soldier's body was completely intact that it hadn't started decaying at all and they rechecked him but he was dead okay so he was placed on the pyre uh, ready to cremate and it was only when the fire was lit that he woke up from death perfectly alive and well okay not a bother on him and he could remember everything about his experience in the spirit world okay so he told socrates socrates relayed it and it was written down by uh, plato okay so i quote when his soul went forth from his body he journeyed with a great company which proceeded towards a meadow portrayed as a mysterious region where there were two openings side by side in the earth through which the souls of disembodied people traveled upwards and downwards in space in accordance with the judgment passed on their lives in that place after an interval of seven days they were required to rise up on the eighth and journey on and they came in four days to a spot whence they discerned extended from above throughout the heaven and the earth a straight light like a pillar most nearly resembling the rainbow but brighter and purer end quote okay so the language can be a little bit hard when you haven't got it written down so basically he said that he left his body and he went with great company so he met some spirit uh, that brought him to a meadow okay and he could see two openings where souls um disembodied people which would be their souls were traveling upwards and downwards so people were going up or they were going down according to how they were judged on how they lived their lives okay and people could stay there for seven days and on the eighth day they had to journey they had to move on okay um and they entered into a light like a pillar okay but the light was like you know like we've, we've heard of this described before 
you know, if you've ever read of near-death experiences where people talk about this, you know, this fantastic light, you know, that it's so powerful that they can't even describe it, okay? He describes the light like a pillar, but a lot of people have described it like a tunnel. So he's talking about stepping into this pillar and then going up or going down, okay? Whereas um, a lot of the ones that we read these days, they talk about it being more like a tunnel, okay? But it's the same analogy, really. Now, this young warrior went on to say that the pillar of light served as a central pivot point for the cosmos and the stars and the planets spun around this pillar of light and the light also served as the energy on which all living beings depended okay so this was like the pole if you like the pillar of light he described it like a pole that everything was suspended on all the planets and the stars, they all revolved around it. And all of our energies as human beings were attached to this pillar. And we depended on the energy of this pillar or this light in order to, to live um, our lives. Okay. And he says that after a time within this energy, people selected their next lives. Okay, so they selected where they were going to go next, like reincarnation. And then they drank from a well. And on drinking the water from this well, their memories of their life before were erased. Okay, but he was not allowed to drink from this well. But it was at this point that he was suddenly sent back to his human body. And he woke up just before his body was burned. Okay, because that would have been the point of no return, obviously, for him. So, like, that um, experience, I mean, Socrates spoke about that, you know, 2,420-odd years ago. Well, that's how long he's passed, so it was even before then. And God only knows how long before he spoke of it that this testimony was given to him. Okay, so these aren't new things, you know, th these aren't new phenomenon. Um, going on. There's another interesting one that I read about, um, and I hope I'm pronouncing this guy's name right. It was written uh, by a guy called Plutarch. Plutarch? Plutarch. Uh, he wrote The Divine Vengeance, okay? Now, he wrote this in the first century. I think this guy passed away um, in around, I think it was like 119 or 120, okay? So 120, 119, 120 years after the birth of Christ, he passed away. So he wrote this, obviously, before his passing. So it was written in the first century. Um, Plutarch wrote about the experience of a man called Thespius. So Thespius fell from a height and he struck his neck. Okay, he hit his neck off of something on the way down. and But there was no visible injuries on his body. He just had a concussion. But he still died. Okay, so he died of his concussion. I'm not a medical person. I assume this is fairly normal. But um, he died, but he woke up three days later at his own funeral. Okay. And Plutarch wrote that the man, while appearing to be dead, had the sensation that his intelligence was driven from his body. So we can assume here that his intelligence being his soul, his knowledge, you know, his awareness, if you like was driven from his body and that he had risen somewhat and was breathing with his whole being and seeing on all sides 
his soul having opened wide as if it were a single eye. And having familiarised himself with the mobility of his new body and noted the presence of souls of many different types in the elevated environment to which he had ascended, Thespius recognised one soul, okay, he recognised someone, that of a kinsman, though not distinctly, okay, as he said, he was but a child when the kinsman died, but it drew near and he said, greetings, Thespius. This guide then took Thespius on a tour of the various regions in the afterlife. Okay, end quote. So Thespius hadn't a fall, okay, um, I can't remember, uh, I don't think it says how old he was, okay, um, and from memory, it's a long time now since I read this stuff, from memory I believe that um, that he had a different name in life, that Thespius was a name that he was given or that he was referred to in the spirit world, okay. Um, so off the top of my head I can't remember but I should have googled it but anyway we'll call him Thespius for the purposes of this podcast so um, he talks about his intelligence being driven from his body so we hear this a lot when we read about near-death experiences that people are aware of their soul their spirit their awareness leaving their body and Thespius says he had risen somewhat and was breathing with his whole being and seeing on all sides his soul having opened wide as if it were a single eye. Okay, so his awareness left his body. He was aware of himself rising and he was aware of himself being awake, if you like, of breathing, of living, of being aware of everything all at once because he was like one eye. He could see everything. And when he arrived in the spirit world, he recognized someone that he knew from his past, even though he was a child when the kinsman died. Now, a kinsman, I think it's not clear from this, and maybe I'd have to do some more research, but someone from his clan, you know, if we talk back, you know, to the first century AD, people had very small um, social circles. So this was likely somebody from, you know, his clan or his village, someone that he would have known well, even though he was young when um he passed it may even have been a relative okay so he he didn't you know recognize him greatly because he had you know vague memories of him as he was only a child but this man met him in the spirit world and he took him on a tour of the various regions of the afterlife and what's interesting here with this particular um testimony is that thespius goes on to talk about streams of water And he also goes on to talk about a pillar of light before he was drawn back to his physical body, okay, before it could be buried. So the reason that I wanted to share these two experiences with you, okay, is not only to show that NDEs are not new phenomenons, okay, but I think it's important to acknowledge that these experiences were being told long before we had the internet or international news channels or newspapers, okay, Back then, things were very regional and people didn't have much contact with people outside of their local region, their local village, you know. So these stories didn't go viral like things do these days, okay? It would have been very localised. 
And in addition to this, a lot of people back then wouldn't have been able to read or write. So they wouldn't have been able to read other people's versions of what happened to them, even if they could get their hands on it. Okay. And, you know, the thing that strikes me with all of the testimony, testimonies available to us is the similarities between them. Okay, the feeling of leaving the body and floating above the physical body. You know, many people talk about seeing the scene around them, whether it's a medical team working on them. You know, we hear a lot of people having near death experiences, you know, in an operating theatre. Sometimes we um, hear people talking about family or loved ones finding them deceased or being told of their passing. Okay, the stories are all so similar in many, many ways. And the most important thing that I, you know, as a person take from all of these stories is being reunited with people that you know and being guided through the experience, you know, not being left alone. Because, you know, let's face it, we all have a fear of being left to go through death alone. And, you know, people that tell us about their experiences, they never go through it alone. And that gives me some kind of hope you know, that um, we will meet our loved ones um, again. I always say it because I know from, you know, Spirit coming back and talking to me. But, you know, maybe, maybe you know, you don't necessarily believe in, you know, mediumship and people talking to, to Spirit. But, you know, someone's experience, first-hand experience of the Spirit world might, you know, um, lay your fears to rest about this. Okay. So I want to list some of the most common um, characteristics, I suppose, um, of a near-death experience. You know, things that people go through, um, things that we hear, you know, in most all of the stories that are recounted to us. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, okay, and it's definitely not in any particular order. But it's just some of the most common things that we hear about or that we've read about when we've been researching um, NDEs, okay? So number one is the feeling of being outside of the physical body. And, you know, any that I've read about talk about knowing that their soul or their spirit is leaving their physical body, okay? It seems to be in every one of these experiences. Okay, then there's number two, the feeling of traveling to different places, you know, sometimes even different countries and, you know, to visit friends or family. And, you know, some people have even been able to describe in great detail places which they have never been to when they were alive. Okay, such as a relative's house in a distant country or something. Okay. Number three, the floating either in light or in darkness, okay? There always seems to be um, a feeling of floating above the earth, above the scene, you know, above their own body. Some people talk about that being in a tunnel of light. Some people talk about it being in a tunnel of darkness or a velvety darkness, but they're always floating. And while they're floating is number four, okay? People talk about hearing beautiful peaceful or relaxing noise okay I call it music but you know most of them call it a noise and they're talking about the light and the tunnel and while they're floating they talk about hearing um, some kind of noise or music which relaxes them 
and makes everything seem so peaceful and so serene, you know, that it's it's just like a background noise, if you like. Okay. Number five, moving towards an intense light. Or in some cases, people feel like the light is moving towards them. Okay. So the majority of people talk about a light so great and powerful that they can't even find the words to describe it. You know, and even in those two testimonies that I mentioned from the ancient times, we're told of a pillar or a tunnel of light. Okay, so light is a great factor. And, you know, some people say they're they're floating through a, maybe a dark tunnel towards the light or they're floating through a tunnel of light towards a more powerful light. And then some people talk about um, that they're floating and that they're aware of a light that's coming towards them. So people see it in different ways from different perspectives, but always the same characteristics that there's a light, whether they're traveling to it or it's traveling to them. There is a light. Okay. Then there's number six. Okay. That once they arrive in the light or the light arrives to them, so they're within the, the, the powerful light now, then they experience being greeted by some kind of a spiritual being. Okay. Whether that's a loved one, an angel, a spirit guide, a light being, a saint or religious figure. Now these Testimonies of religious figures tend to be based on their religious beliefs in life, you know. Um, as a Catholic, you know, I would probably expect to be maybe, if I'm to be greeted by a religious figure, that maybe it would be, you know, St. Pedro Pio or St. John Paul II or whatever, you know, people that I'm familiar with. But if you're of a different religion or religious background, you may expect to be met by somebody else or a loved one, okay? So it really depends on our knowledge or our expectations. But in the majority of cases, we do find that it tends to be somebody that someone knew from life. So a loved one, or as Thespia said, a kinsman, okay? Then there's number seven, okay? As I said, we've talked about meeting a spiritual being, but some people talk about meeting several or many loved ones. Okay, so not just one person, not just being met by one person, but we do have many, many testimonies of meeting several people, okay? Um, and all of these people are there to make them feel loved or make them feel safe. So it's to take away that worry or that fear, okay? So in the same way as our loved ones support us in life, they also support us in death, okay? Number eight, communication in these NDEs is always telepathic, okay? They never use their physical voice or their voice box to communicate. It's almost exclusively done um, through telepathy. And, you know, they, they, they relay that they seem to have been surprised by being able to read the minds of those around them, okay? Then we've got number nine. Number nine um, is when people talk about meeting someone in spirit and as well as feeling the overwhelming love, okay, people talk about receiving messages from their loved ones in spirit, okay? Messages of love, messages of forgiveness, messages of pr 
pride. Okay. And a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people who experience receiving these messages are people who have been finding life difficult prior to their NDE. Okay. So sometimes people are given a message to alter their life path or they're told why they need to go back and what they still have to achieve or accomplish in life. Number 10 is the life review. Okay. And we hear so much about people having to review their life experiences um, after death. Okay. But that they don't necessarily feel any judgment during this process. Okay. Now, the first one that I talked about um, before, the first one that Socrates spoke about, the young warrior, he talked about people being judged and going up or down, but he didn't necessarily refer to hell. So, you know, we could interpret this to mean that some people were moving on to the next level of spirituality, where some people were coming downwards in order to have to go back uh, to be reincarnated, to redo the living experience. So just because he talks about people going up and down doesn't necessarily mean that there is such a thing as hell or that you're judged um, as being a bad person. Okay, so I don't want you to lose sleep over that one. We can interpret it in many different ways um, because I don't have the full story. I'm not a scholar of Socrates or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's just, these are some stories that I, I read when I was younger. Okay, so these helped me to understand near-death experiences. Um, but nobody comes back and talks about being judged. When they do their life review, um, you know, they feel it as an experience that helps them to learn and to grow. So when they come back, they know how they need to alter their life and how to change. Okay. Number 11. Okay. Nearly everyone who experiences an NDE wants to stay there. Okay. They don't want to return to the physical world. Okay. Now I had an experience once and I don't necessarily describe it as an NDE because I never really thought about it so much, but I did have my tonsils out when I was in my twenties. Um, I must've been in my late twenties because I did have my first son and um, I know that I can remember it vividly being woken up and I remember hearing um, the nurse call my name over and over and over again and she was slapping my face and um, my experience whether it was a dream or not I had been with my grandmother in my grandmother's cottage my grandmother and grandfather lived in a cottage in the countryside and we used to spend an awful lot of time out there when I was young. Um, as you know, I was only seven. Um, if you've listened to previous um, podcasts, I was only seven when my grandmother died. And um, she, I was at her house and I have some happy memories of being out there. And I remember I was in the garden making daisy chains with my grandmother. And she was talking to me about spirit because my grandmother was a medium as well. And um, I remember being there and being happy with her and then hearing somebody calling my name, which was the nurse. And I remember holding on to my grandmother. I was only like six or seven years old again, you know, in this dream or experience that I was having. And I remember holding on to her and being turned, um, you know, being terrified of being pulled away from her. And she, she saying to me, it's not time, girl. I'll see you again. And next thing I was awake and the nurse was slapping my face, 
and she was going come on dearie now you have to come back to us you have to wake up you have to wake up and I immediately just burst into tears and I didn't stop crying for nearly an hour so I don't know I wouldn't say necessarily that I've had an NDE I don't know was it just a dream or something that I experienced when I was under anesthetic but um, it felt so real to me and I knew that I didn't want to come back even though I had a young son here um, and my husband of course and I didn't you know I didn't want to come back I just felt so much at peace with her and I felt that she was guiding me and you know it was after this that I did actually start to work with spirit um, as in doing readings for people and maybe that was the point of meeting my grandmother that she was encouraging me to do this and to use it so but anyway I suppose my point was that I was on number 11 and that nearly all people who experience an NDE they don't want to return back to the physical world and finally number 12 okay um this is obvious because you know we're reading these stories people are telling us of their experiences and therefore number 12 is the fact that most people are able to remember and recount all of their experiences in spirit after their return to their physical bodies so that in itself i believe tells us that there's a reason to it there wasn't an accident that someone crossed over before it was their time and then they were sent back you know that they were brought over because they needed to be given this evidence they need to needed to get a message or whatever it might be but there was a reason for it it didn't just happen by accident Okay, so I've listed 12 things from my own experience, okay? So this list is not exhaustive. And if I've left anything out, if you've come across anything else, please let me know. You can comment here in the show notes or, you know, on my social media or whatever. You'll find all the, the links in the description box attached. Now, I want to talk um, about another experience, okay? This isn't my own, but it was my husband's experience of an NDE. Okay, he was only a teenager at the time. It was back in August of 1990. It was just one month before he turned 19. Okay, so he was just 18 when this happened. And, you know, I'd actually met him for the first time that summer uh, when I was in London. I used to go over to London every summer to my family. Uh, but I um, I was actually over there for a family wedding. And I, I literally was just turning 16 that summer. Um, so I'm sure he thought I was a baby and I wasn't really interested in dating. So it wasn't, we didn't actually start dating or get to know each other properly for another two and a half years. Okay. Our paths crossed again uh, when I was 18 and we've been together since then. But anyway, back in August of 19, uh, about August of 1990, he uh, was... Um, I shouldn't say was because he actually still is a motorbike fanatic okay so when he turned 17 years old he went out with all his life savings and he bought a brand new kawasaki gpx 600 okay so imagine letting a 17 year old out on that but anyway that's what he did this bike was his pride and joy okay he traded up from a 125 up to the gpx 600 and anyway, he had this bike, obviously, and he turned 18. He was pushing towards 19, but he was out riding his bike in August of 1990. And he was due the following day to start his apprenticeship. Uh, he trained as an electrician originally. OK, um, but this day, a car pulled out onto the road he was driving on. This all happened in London. And the gentleman who was driving the car, he didn't look before he pulled out and pulled out right in front of Dennis, who is my husband, 
okay so Dennis hit the back of the car and he tumbled off the bike and he was catapulted right over the car and he landed on the road in front of the car that he hit okay now he told me about this experience a few years ago um and at the time you know when I met him he didn't really know anything about the spirit world or the afterlife and you know he hadn't read anything about NDEs um not everybody I suppose is interested in it and you know we 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 become curious about it you know because of different life experiences but as an 18 year old all he was worried about was motorbikes and not necessarily life after death okay and of course we're going back to august of 1990 this was before the internet so he it wasn't as if he was able to sit down and you know look up near-death experiences but anyway long story short his experience was very similar to many that uh, you will have read about okay because even though this accident took only seconds to him it was like everything was going in slow motion he could clearly see his body flying through the air and over the car okay he could clearly see the faces of the old couple in the car and you know they were also in shock they, this was an accident they didn't intend for this to happen okay but in these few seconds even seeing all of that being able to see the scene like he was looking down on himself um in these few seconds he also saw his life flashed before his eyes okay he said that not everything was included but you know many things from his life were and he said it was like flashes of different scenes or memories from his life okay if anybody has ever seen the 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 film paul when um paul it's a film about an alien it's it's not a true life movie but there's a scene in paul where he's giving the alien has landed on earth and he's giving these guys his knowledge of you know the universe and it literally flashes through their mind and you know even though it's just flashing they're still taking everything in and everything makes sense okay and he said it was like that okay um and at the same time he saw very very clearly his beloved grandfather who died just a couple of years before okay he doesn't remember his granddad saying anything to him just his granddad standing there looking at him and him looking back at his granddad okay and he said after a while it was like he fell back into his body and he was being tended to by uh, the paramedics on the road okay and you know thankfully apart from a few broken bones he did survive and he made a full recovery but even his short experience contained many of the main characteristics of an NDE that we've already discussed okay they've been outside of the body they've been able to recount the scene you knowing that they were being worked on seeing a loved one the slow motion the life review so there's a lot in there a lot of the characteristics that we um already discussed and you know some years ago when i was reading about this um, i read an article um, that described ndes as homesickness okay and i thought this was a really lovely analogy okay so this article asked us to think of life as a holiday from the spirit world but some people get homesick while they're traveling and they choose to return home early okay and therefore they return to the spirit world before us 
However, some of us do not get homesick and we choose to stay for the entire journey, safe in the knowledge that we will return home and see our loved ones again. Okay, I thought that was lovely. So some people don't stay for the full journey because they're homesick to return to the spirit world. Okay, but we choose to stay for the journey, but we will come home and we will see them again one day. So before I finish up this podcast, I just want to play for you an experience um, as recounted in his own words by Dr. George Rodania. I hope I pronounced that right. Dr. George Rodania. Okay, so um, Dr. Rodania is a Russian, okay, and in 1976, he survived an assassination attempt by the KGB when he uh, tried to defect from the Soviet Union, okay? He was uh, knocked down, a car targeted him, it mounted the pavement and knocked him down and drove off. This happened on a Friday evening and he was stored in a freezer, he was pronounced dead obviously, and his body stored in a freezer from Friday evening until Monday morning at which point his body was taken out. Is it a freezer or a fridge? <laughs> okay, I'd have to listen to it again. But I don't know how they store bodies. Maybe it was just a fridge and not a freezer. But anyway, he was kept in here for three days until the Monday, at which point his body was taken out and he was on the autopsy table and it was when the doctor cut his chest to open him up for the autopsy that he woke up. Okay, so have a listen in his own words. In 1976, I was 20 when I was uh, already a doctor working in Georgia. I uh, met a lady from uh, Texas and uh, I tried to leave the country many times but I didn't have such a help. This lady tried to help me and uh, I became in big trouble with KGB. Uh, because my work, I worked on adenosine triphosphate, it's a neurotransmitter in our brain, and with a conjunction of uh, oxytocin, I discovered several things, and I was a scientist, and uh, KGB didn't want me to go, so that's why uh, they decided to kill me. That's how I got into another dimension of my life. I was standing on, uh, on the sidewalk, uh, ready to depart to uh, New York, uh, waiting for a cab, uh, when a car ran on the sidewalk and uh, hit me. I flew 10 meters and I fell and then ran. The car runs over me. Uh, my friends and relatives took me to hospital and uh, the hospital uh, staff, friends of mine, and uh, two other professors uh, constated or declared me dead. They put me in morgue in a freezer, and uh, uh, three days later they took me out on Monday. It was Friday night, and on Monday morning they began my autopsy. And uh, these three days being out of my body, seeing everything what was happening around, seeing myself, my body, seeing my birth, uh, my parents, um, my wife, uh, my child, my friends, 
um, I saw their thoughts, I saw what they were thinking, how they, uh, how, how, how their thought moved from one to another dimension. It was incredible experience. I was in darkness, in total darkness, and this darkness was pressing. This darkness existed not beyond, but existed within. What I want to say is that darkness was pressing, and I was in the middle of this sphere, and, uh, and I didn't understand why and how this darkness existed. Where was I? And uh, I understood I didn't have a body because I didn't feel it. But then I thought about light. I, I, I went through that little hall into light. Uh, but light was more powerful, more burning. I mean, you cannot compare it to anything. In, it, no word can explain it. And, and this light was so burning and, and, and uh, um, uh, going through flesh. But I didn't have a body. That was the most, uh, most interesting part. And I was scared of that light. I thought, where is that hall to darkness, go to shade, to save myself from this light? What is that light? I don't know. I mean, it, it can be called light of God. It can be called light of life. But light is light and darkness is darkness. And then, as a psychiatrist and scientist, I didn't uh, think about that. The only thing was that I was in light. We were not raised in Galway. You know, Soviet Union, we didn't go to church. We didn't have... There were people who went but they were some kind of limited people, we thought. I mean, we thought they didn't know better that there is no God. But uh, during that three days being in morgue, in a freezer, changed all my life. To begin the autopsy, they, uh, they began to cut my chest. That, that was the first incision. Then I opened eyes. So when I opened eyes and he saw the pupils were convulsing, uh, I'm becoming smaller, to say simply. Um, he, he saw that it was uh, reacting on, on light, it means it's life. And uh, they put me back uh, into hospital and began resuscitation. So isn't that amazing? Okay, three full days, um, he was dead, clinically dead. Um, and, you know, as he said, he was a doctor and it was his colleagues that had pronounced him deceased. And he was stored, you know, in cold storage for the whole weekend. Um, and he, you know, he was able to go and see his loved ones. He knew what they were thinking. He didn't have to communicate with them or listen to what they were saying. He knew exactly what they were thinking and what was going on. Okay, so he was able to travel around even though his body was in storage. Um, and it reminds me, you know, even as I'm talking about that, of you know an experience that I had a few years ago where I connected with somebody uh, during a reading somebody came to me for a reading and I connected with their loved one who actually was just in a coma at the time um, but was clear to me that this person was between the two worlds um, and was you know residing a lot in the spirit world because that's where they connected with me from um, I found out later that this person um, didn't wake up from their coma and they passed away but they were actually able to communicate um, even before they were pronounced clinically dead here on earth. So this person was between two worlds, okay? So, you know, there's no um, limitations to, you know, what we can experience with spirit. We're learning all of the time, okay? 
So I'd love to know what you think, okay? Do these people experience near-death experiences so that they can give us evidence that there is life after death? Or do they experience that so that they can give us advice on how we should be living our lives and treating each other? In next week's podcast, I will be chatting with Nicole Kerr, okay? And Nicole experienced her own NDE while she was a cadet in the US Air Force Academy in Colorado in 1983, okay? And I know you're going to love hearing how her experience changed her and her perspective of life and the messages that the angels give her to bring back to us. Okay, so before I let you go, can I just ask you to check out my Patreon channel? It's Life After Life with Sandy Byrne, and you'll find the link in the description box attached. And I will see you in the next episode of Life After Life. And until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything about the 